Well, let's pray and ask God to meet us in the word this morning. Oh, Lord, we love your word. You meet us in the truths of your word again and again and again. And I pray that you'd use this passage now to to teach us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. Would you come and pour out your spirit upon me? Lord, I need your help today. And would you give us all open hearts to what you want to say in the scriptures? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Jesus has called each of us to uh, make disciples. We talk about making disciples who make disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so every follower, we're called to, to invest a portion of our lives in, in meeting people who don't know the Lord and loving people who don't know the Lord befriending people who don't know the Lord so we can show them who Jesus is by our love and by our serving and so that we can share the truth of who Jesus is by our words and all of that with the goal of helping people come into the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. So life's all about. And so he's called us to be involved in making disciples. Now the problem is that there are times when we embark on doing that and we step out to do that, but we end up uh, with some friendships or with a group of people who aren't interested in coming to Jesus, and we find that they are actually drawing us away from Christ into sin. That happens. Okay, so instead of people being open and responsive, they're, they're not interested in Christ and, and they're actually drawing our hearts away from Jesus Christ and into sin. So, so maybe there's a bunch of guys at work who like to, you know, go fishing on Saturdays and get just blasted drunk and it's full of raunchy stories and, and, and that's the group that you're a part of and, and they're drawing you in that direction. Or maybe there's a group of, I don't know, say men, women who, who gather together, love to get together and just talk gossip about their husbands or wives or other friends or whatever, and, and you're being drawn in. Maybe there's some, some guys after work who uh, invite you to go to the strip club with them Friday, to you know, TGIF, okay, hey, let's go, it's a lot of fun. And so you've got some people who are not interested in Christ, and you're finding that your heart, because of their, their tempting, they're saying, hey, come join us, your heart's being drawn away from Christ towards sin. So what can you do? That's the question. If you're in that situation, some of you are in that situation right now. Okay. And God in his word tells us what to do. Others of you uh, maybe know a believer who's in that situation. This will be very helpful for you. Others of you aren't in that situation now, but you very well may be as you move out to advance the gospel. And God loves us so much. He tells us, I mean, God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, like we saw last week. He tells us the things we need to know. And so in Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120, that's the topic of these next eight verses in Psalm 119. So let's turn there. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to bring one to you that you can look on with. And in the Bibles we're passing out, it's on page 515. Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120. So let's read these verses, and as we read, I want you to be asking the question, what situation was the author facing? What situation was he facing as he writes these eight verses? Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120, here's what he says. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You, God, are my hiding place. And my, my shield, 
I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me, he's talking to God, uphold me according to your promise, that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up, that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You, God, spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. Okay, now Psalm 113 shows that he's dealing here with some people who he calls double-minded. And the fact that he also calls them evildoers in verse 115 makes me think that these people, they're double-minded, they're evildoers, so what that means is that they put on a spiritual front sometimes, okay, there's this spiritual front they put on at times, but they love to pursue sin at other times. Double-minded, spiritual front sometimes, but they love to pursue sin at other times. And so the problem that the author has is that when he's with them, his heart is being drawn away to sin. And you can see that from verse 115. He says, depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. In other words, he wants them to depart from him because then if they're departing, if their temptation's not there, then he'll be able to obey God, which means that their presence is tempting him to disobey God. And so in these eight verses, he tells us how to resist those times when you're being tempted by people into sin. And again, some of you are right there right now. And God's going to meet you. God's going to help you. Listen, the Lord loves us so much. I mean, when, when we're struggling, when we're being drawn into sin, he's not standing back with his arms folded. Remember, Jesus is our great high priest who's been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He sympathizes with us. And so he will meet you today. You're thinking, oh my gosh, who knew that I was going to be, that I'm dealing with this exact trouble? Well, he knew, and he has you here to hear this message because he loves you. So let's just take it in, all right? And as I studied these eight verses, I saw four steps that he takes in order to resist temptations from other people. So let's just go through them one by one, and if we have time, we'll open it up for some questions at the end and, and let the Lord dig it deeper into our hearts. First step. He sees all that he has in God and his word. Verse 113 and 114. That's the point of these two verses. Start with 113. He says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Now, when I read that verse this week, it troubled me because the author would have known what God tells the people of Israel in Leviticus 19.17. In Leviticus 19.17, God tells Israel, don't hate anyone. Okay? But here he says, I hate the double-minded. So what's going on? Here's what I thought, and I want to see, see if, this, if this helps you. Isn't it possible to have different feelings in your hearts, both of which are right? For example, couldn't the author here, on the one hand, have loved these people? and cared earnestly for their eternity. At the same time as he hates how they tempt him to sin. Hates it. 
Can't you have both of those in your heart at the same time? And I think that's what's going on here. I think he deeply cares about them. He knows, God said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's called to do that. He cares about them and their eternity. But he hates how they tempt him to sin. And I think the author would call us to, to have that same combination in our hearts. Now, we need to be careful, though. Because to hear about hating how someone's tempting us to sin, that could come across, and not only come across, that could be from a heart of pride, right? That could be from a heart of thinking you're better than they are. And you might think you're better than they are, but you're not. So dangerous here to watch out for pride. We are saved sinners, yes, but we are sinners, Saved sinners, but we are still in ourselves sinners. We are no better than they are who we are in ourselves, right? And so let that humble you as you hate how they tempt you into sin and you care deeply about them for their, for their eternity. So that's, that's a thought in verse 113. So on the one hand, he hates how they tempt him into sin, but he loves God's law. And, and why does he feel that way? It's because of what he says in verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. So it's because he sees God as his hiding place and God as his shield. Now, let's dig into this a little bit. What does that mean? Picture God as this big castle, okay, with thick walls and high walls and when you are in god through christ you're that means you're you're hiding from things that could hurt you he's like a shield you're being protected from things that hurt you that's what it means to have god as your hiding place and your shield like like behind a thick castle walls hiding their protection from things that would hurt you now does that mean that when you're trusting jesus christ you'll be protected from all trials and difficulties no Okay, the Bible's very, very clear that those choice believers, born again, sons, daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ, God has called us to suffer, just like he called his son to suffer, to display his glory, and he will comfort us and he will strengthen us. So being in God is your hiding place, being behind God is your shield, being in God is your castle. He will protect you, but not from all trials and difficulties. Very important that we don't make that mistake, okay? So what does he protect us from? What he protects us from is everything that could harm or destroy our joy in him forever. He protects us from everything that could harm or destroy our joy in him forever. Now, this is huge. Those of you who are trusting Jesus Christ, you know there's times, and it's not constant, there's ups and downs, but there are times when you, you open up the scriptures and you pray and you're worshiping the Lord, and through Jesus Christ, God pours his presence upon you so powerfully that you behold his glory, you feel his love, you sense his nearness, and at those times, you are so full that all you want is him. You're full. You're content. I've got, thank you, God. You are glorious. You are beautiful. I love you. And you're, you're filled with joy infinitely more than anything else could fill you with. Okay? That's, that's joy in God. And that's what you were created for. That's why God saved you to give you that. That's what life is all about is knowing God intimately like, like we were worshiping about this morning. But there are things that could harm or destroy 
your joy in God, now and forever. And God, as your hiding place and your shield in Christ, will protect you from all of those things. For example, God's judgment against sin. Right? We've sinned against God. And if we're not protected from God's judgment against our sin, then we will not have joy in God now or forever. But because Jesus Christ was punished in our place, through faith in him, you are in the castle, thick walls, high walls, and God's forgiveness through Christ protects you from God's judgment against sin. So if you're trusting Jesus Christ, God's judgment against sin, which is real and should make us tremble, but it'll never touch you through faith in Jesus Christ because he received all the punishment that you deserved on the cross. You know that happened because you're trusting Christ. Or temptations to sin. Temptations to sin can harm your joy in Christ now and potentially even forever. But when you are trusting Christ and you're, therefore you're in the castle, God's your hiding place, he's your shield, you're looking to Jesus Christ, you're asking him to help, strengthen me, meet me, he will give you the strength you need to combat those temptations. He will so satisfy your heart and yourself that you, that those temptations lose their power. And so by that means you'll be protected from temptations. And then also death. Death could potentially destroy your joy in God now and forever. But of course, Jesus died and rose from the dead, broke the power of death, which we also sang about this morning. And through faith in him, you can be confident that you will be raised from the dead. So here's this castle. And outside the castle, there's all these things that could destroy your joy in God now and forever. But God is your hiding place. And when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are walking over the drawbridge into the castle, the, the, the big gate with all the lattices, you know, comes down, and you are safe. You are protected. God is your hiding place. God is your shield. Nothing will harm your joy in him that Jesus Christ has purchased for you on the cross, sealed you for, that will be yours forever. You'll be, you'll be protected. Now, God is your hiding place. Does that mean he will protect you from all trials? Okay, so make sure we get this here. I heard one person, okay, no, it does not mean to protect you from all trials. But see, the way he's set things up is that even the trials he allows into your life are ordained by him lovingly and faithfully to bring you even more joy in him. Okay, so God's your hiding place. God's your, your shield. And when he sees then that here's this castle, thick walls, and joy in God forever is in that castle. And then when he sees that his friends are over here and they're saying, come on, come on. And they're calling you to, to stop looking to Christ by faith and instead put, turn your back on Christ and start walking over this way. And when he sees, here's the castle of God as my hiding place and my shield, join him forever, purchased through Christ. And here's this group of friends who are drawing me away from this where I would be Risking everything? When he sees that hiding place, shield, castle, losing it all, he says, I hate the way they're tempting me, and I love your law. So when he sees all that he has in God and his word, and what it could cost him, he says, I love your law, and I hate the way they're tempting me. Now, let me just raise a question here, and that is, I just said that it's possible that 
when you're outside the castle, you could risk joy in God forever. And that may raise some questions, so let me try to answer them ahead of time so you can start just to mull this over. I believe Scripture is very clear that when God saves you, he starts a work in your life that he will keep going forever all the way to heaven, and everyone whom God saves will be in heaven. No one whom God saves will face God's judgment ever because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's what the Bible teaches. That's how I know I'm going to be in heaven, not because I'm so strong, because I'm not, but because he is so strong. Okay? Now, the Bible also, though, gives warnings that if we pursue sin knowingly and willingly and without confession, then we could lose it all and not be in heaven. Not because we're saved by our our works, but because the way you know you're saved is because you're trusting Jesus. That's how you have assurance of salvation. The way you know you're in the castle is because you're trusting Jesus. If you're turning away from Jesus and you're starting to trust what they're saying to you and you're knowingly, willingly, without fighting, without repentance, moving towards sin, and then at that point you might still be saved. Make sure you get this. You might still be saved, but you have no basis for assurance that you're saved. If you're walking towards sin knowingly, willingly, you have no reason to think you've been saved. So you might still be saved, but you have no assurance that you're saved. So what do you do in that situation? You look back to the, to the castle, and here's Jesus with nail-pierced hands saying, Come on! Come on! And you say, I'm being pulled! I can't! And he says, he says, Okay! And he comes! And he gets you! See, the moment you turn back and say, Help! He's running towards you with everything he's got. Omnipotent, relentless, unstoppable power. He will rescue you! But, if you're turning your back on him, and you're knowingly, willingly moving towards sin, it couldn't be more dangerous. And so that's why he says, this is really strong language here, he goes, I hate the double-minded, the way they're tempting me. I love your law. I love your word. I love the castle. I love trusting in you. And now that we're in the New Testament after Jesus, we love trusting you, Jesus. So that's what I want to encourage you with. He starts here in terms of dealing with this by understanding all that he has in God and his word. A castle protecting me from anything that would take away my joy in God now and forever. That's what I have in God and his word. I'm not going to give this up for anything. I hate the way they're tempting me. I love your law. That's where it starts. Okay, That's the first step. Second step. He makes a clean break from these tempters. Verse 115. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. How can you tell whether you should make a clean break with these friends or whether you should continue to pray and interact and share the gospel with them? How can you tell? It's not an easy question. Remember, Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners, right? Christians are not called to not have any connections with lost people. We're called to go to lost people. We're no better than they are. We go to them with the message of God's grace, God's love in Christ. So Jesus modeled for us, okay? But Jesus wasn't drawn into sin by those he was with. And if you have a group of friends who are drawing you into sin, who are, who are inviting you to do things that are clearly black and white against what God has said in his word, then something needs to be done. Okay? 
And what I would encourage you to do is maybe talk with them. Humbly, okay? Um, Share with them honestly that you love Jesus Christ. Share what he's done for you. Share with them that, you know, Jesus calls me. I don't want to come across like I'm better than you, but he he calls me not, not to do the strip club, not to do this, not to do that. And I know you guys like to do that, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I can't do that, but I'd love to hang out with you guys. Can we do something else? You know, I'd love to do something else with you. Okay, just you're humble. You're not judgmental. You're not you're not feeling like you're better than there because you're not. Sinners saved by grace, and you and you lovingly share that with them. And if they're up for hanging out with you in different settings, beautiful. Okay, if they're not, they say, "No, come on, man. That's just, come on. There's nothing wrong." Then, then you would need to make a clean break with them. That's what he says here in this passage. I remember why. Remember what's, what's going on here. Here's, here's the castle. God is your hiding place. God is your shield. As you're trusting Christ and pursuing him, you are in this castle, and nothing can touch your joy in God now and forever. That's what you have. But if you are being pulled in this direction, away from trusting Christ in this direction, then it all could be lost. So as you see these two options, what they're pulling you to, and you see all that you have in God and his word, when you see that, then you will say, I hate the way they're tempting me. I love your law. Help me, and you will, you'll make a clean break. Second step, clean break from these tempters. If they're not willing to hang out with you in their connections. Okay? If they are, love them. Show them Jesus by your serving, by your genuine, authentic friendship and love. Speak the gospel to them. Pray for them. Okay, that's the second step. Third step. I love this third step. He asks God to hold him up. And this will apply to every temptation we face, including this, this temptation from friends. But temptation to sin, it's like a thousand-pound chain that Satan drapes over your shoulders. Now, I just feel this. If all of a sudden you had a thousand, if you were standing up and you had a, a thousand-pound chain draped over your shoulders... None of us are going to be able to stand up under that for very long, right? It's like, oh, right? It's just a thousand pounds. It's like, you, you can't stand up against that. Every temptation that you face is stronger than you are. That's just the truth, okay? Who, who you are yourself, apart from Christ. Every temptation that you face is stronger than who you are yourself. And the author of this psalm knows this. And so yet here he's being tempted, and it's like a thousand pound chain over him. So what does he do? Look at what he says in verses 116, 117. He prays. He says, Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up, God, that I may be safe in the castle, right? Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. So what does he do when he's feeling tempted? He does not just rely on his own willpower to overcome the temptation. He knows better than that. He prays. He puts everything else aside and says, God, uphold me. Hold me up. Strengthen me against this temptation. 
And so I want to ask you, what do you do? I mean, let's get real tangible here. When you're being tempted, let's just broaden it out. Stuff like to be impatient or to be self-righteous or to be proud or to, to gossip or to be unforgiving. What do you do when you're being tempted? You're feeling the, the weight of sin pulling you down away from God, away from Jesus, this thousand pound weight. Do you try to just, oh, just I'm supposed to be a good Christian, so I'm supposed to be able to do this? Foolishness! I've done it! I know that foolishness better than most people. What do you do? Hold me up, God! Hold me up! Uphold me! Oh, yes! Now, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's it's automatic or that it's simple and that it doesn't take fighting the fight of faith. You'll, you'll need to pray, open up God's word, pray over the scriptures. It can be battle. It can be effort. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand. But he will meet you when you do that. He will meet you. You will, in time, feel the weight of that chain lift. <laughs> lift. And you'll be like the layman healed the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. What happened? I was being so tempted, now it's gone. Well, you asked him for help, and he helped you. So, crucial third step. This applies to all temptations, but it especially applies if you have a group of friends who are tempting you away from Christ, and you're being drawn to the, to, to the sin that they're enticing you to pursue. And it's like a thousand-pound chain. Hold me up. Just read those two verses again. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live. Because, I mean, living is in, the, is in the castle. Life is in the castle, right? Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe in the castle and have regard for your statutes continually. Okay. So when you're being tempted and you're feeling the thousand-pound chain pulling you down, down into sin, understand that the whole time that's happening, Jesus Christ is, is like right there. It's like, he's, on, he's on this side, near the castle. Okay, so he's right here. And he's ready to have you ask him for help. Ask him. Pray. Help me. Help me. And then open up the word, sword of the spirit, the word of God. Just like Jesus counter temptation in the wilderness with scripture, use scripture, pray over scripture, preach the scripture to yourself, pray some more, help me, the chain will lift. I promise you, I promise you, he promises you, more important, the chain will lift. One last step. Fourth, he lets the truth of God's judgment strengthen his resolve. So I raise some questions. Let me read the verses and then try to explain what's going on here. He says, You, God, spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. Now, why is he afraid of God's judgments? Everyone who's trusting God's mercy in the Old Testament and now New Testament trusting God's mercy in Christ because we see things more clearly. Let me put it the other way. No one who's trusting Jesus Christ needs to fear God's judgments. So clear. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. Why does he fear God's judgments? He's not fearing that he's going to be judged, but he's 
he's fearing what could happen if he left the castle and walked towards the temptation. He's fearing what could happen. Will that happen? He's in the castle. He knows God's going to keep him. That will not happen. But I know that if I did, it could. And so he's, that's the kind of fear he's dealing with here. Again, what gives us assurance of salvation is that we're trusting Jesus Christ. We're trusting him. It's not how good we've been. It's that we're trusting Christ. It's by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ, faith in Christ alone. So we're trusting Jesus, and because of our faith in Christ, we are assured we will never face God's condemnation. But if we turn our backs on Christ and start to pursue sin and are trusting, instead of trusting Christ, trusting the pleasures that the the friends are offering us, then at that point, I might still be saved. But I can't be assured that I'm saved. And so at that point, I really should fear and let that turn me back to Christ. Help me! And he'll come running towards you, forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, change you. Okay, so what he's doing here in these last three verses is he's letting the truth of God's judgment strengthen his resolve. I am not going to turn towards those who are tempting me. I'm going to stay in the castle by faith alone, through grace alone, all because of Christ alone. I'm going to stay here because I know that judgment's outside the castle. And I'm going to stay here in the castle, my hiding place, my shield, protection, because Christ has saved me. I'm staying here because known, knowing, willful, wanton, unconfessed, unrepented sin ruins our assurance of salvation. And if we're walking in that direction, we can't know for sure that we're saved. So he lets the truth of God's judgment strengthen him. Now, what if this morning you're here and you know that you have not recently been living here. You've recently been living over here. What should you do? Okay? Don't try to tear yourself away and get back into the castle by your own power. Thousand pound chain, you know, pull of sin. Turn and just say, help! Okay? Help. Look to Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of salvation through Christ. (laughs) This is so precious and so powerful. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what you say. You're over here. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And what will he do? Will he be merciful to you? Totally. He will come running towards you with his power. He will grab you. He will take you. He will pull you. He will walk with you. He will cleanse you. He will forgive you. He will fill you. He will satisfy you. He will take you and pull you back and you'll be another trophy of his grace forever. So if you're over here, what you need to do is just say, help. Help. I'm sorry. Help me. Look at what I've done. Look where I am. I'm trapped here. Chains all over me. Help me. And he will come and meet you. This is the gospel. And if this, isn't, if this isn't where you're at, if you're not over there, what amazing news that you can tell people in your neighborhood tomorrow and at your workplace tomorrow. The God of the universe saves us. He doesn't say, save yourself. He says, call upon me, I'll save you. And through Christ, he will save us. It's the best news in the world. Tell everybody. That's another topic. Okay, let's, let's hear what... We do not have any time for questions, though. Whew. Okay, good. All right. So uh, if you have questions, your home group leader will answer them all, okay? 
Uh, but if you, I mean, if you want to email me, I'd be happy to interact with you. This is very important that you understand these, and so please, we don't take that seriously. Or come up and ask me afterwards. But let's stand. I want to pray this over us. Because again, some of you are right there right now. We love you. We're for you. We're no better than you. If you're in the thick of sin, we care about you. Jesus cares about you. He wants to meet you today. You may know a, a believer who's in this situation. Take this good news to them. Share this with them this week. They can be freed. And take this to heart for if you ever find yourself in this situation, if you're not there right now. But let's pray about this. Lord, we love the gospel. We love Jesus Christ. We love being saved by your grace and your love through your Holy Son. We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Thank you. Now, Lord, I pray for those right here, right now, who are in the thick of temptation from other people and they have been turning their back to you and pursuing sin without fighting, without resisting, without confessing. Lord, right now, open their eyes, awaken their hearts, let them see your power and your mercy and your love which promises to deliver them if they will call upon you. And let them call upon you now, we pray. Lord, if we know believers who maybe aren't here this morning who are in this situation, don't let us forget about them. Don't let us not go to them. Lord, move us to go to them this week and share this good news. And Lord, I pray for, for us with all the different temptations we face, that we wouldn't just try to overcome them by ourselves, but we, we would call upon you, ask you for help. You are near to all who call upon you, to all who call upon you in truth. And we thank you for that, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.